Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the 1099 for the week of May 9th, 2016. I am your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is game critic, future author, which I think is what you call someone who's writing a book, and Twitter curmudgeon, Nick Capazzoli. Nick, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I like that Twitter curmudgeon. I'm going to add that to my profile, I think. I Beer hope so. aficionado, something like that. <laughs> Intellectual Twitter curmudgeon. Twitter curmudgeon. Like, yeah, it's it would be great. I um, I really called you here today just so we can uh, actually do our top 10 expectations for the new se- uh, season of Game of Thrones. Since oh, yeah, yeah. we're recording this right before the uh, the new season starts. So uh, big question is, uh, is Jon Snow alive? Well, by the time this will have posted, he'll have been alive, then killed, and then alive, and then killed again, I well, think, right? you see, the new thing is when you record things way early and you put them in a time capsule, and then we'll look back on this and be like, man, we were so wrong. This is going to get... Yeah, this is the future of podcasting. Uh, I'm actually so sick of even hearing anything about Game of Thrones. We're here because... So this is our second podcast. Uh, last time, we had totally different jobs than we do now. Like, we still have our full-time jobs, but we were <laughs> we were both at GameSpot uh, talking a lot about that, and that has... you know that. We both don't write there anymore. So times have changed, you know. We, but at this point, I feel like almost anyone who follows me follows you. At this point, there's this weird carryover where I think we both go on Twitter and silently, too loudly, yell about the same things, and then kind of yell at each other in a in a very nice way. So I think so. Yeah, I'm I, like I think, the platinum version. Yeah. I get, oh man. You want so, to step up to like another level of curmudgeonry. Okay, yeah, you're Platinum Josiah is what you're saying. This makes me feel small, I, so. I don't know. Uh, so, a little I, aged, a little more refined, you know? Yeah, you know, you're like a fine wine, and I am a, like a, a cheese that still needs a few more years to really take on the flavor. So, since... Like a string cheese, yeah. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, I want to be string cheese? <laughs> oh, I could at least get... I was about to say Velveeta, but that might be worse than string cheese. <laughs> so, I thought it was a good time for us to kind of get on here and talk about a lot of things that we've been talking about privately or on Twitter and actually, you know, express them over a podcast. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I want to start out with is you're on Patreon now. You're a... You're, people pay you to write stuff. They pay to read your writing, which was not the case before when you were freelancing at GameSpot. The stuff was just right there. So it's kind of, you know, explain this process to me because a lot of people are on it and I've talked to people on Patreon, but I still, there's still some mysteries behind it. So, I mean, how did you get it set up? Uh, and how is it really going to play out moving forward? Like, what are your, what are your goals with this thing? So... I guess I'm kind of late to the Patreon game, you know, it was something I'd been kind of eyeing. I, you know, I like the idea of independence, um, uh, you know, I, I don't have to tell you, but the state of editing, I think, in, in a lot of the, the major sites is kind of lacking, and in a lot of ways, we're, we're really self-editors, you know, if, if something doesn't come out pretty pristine from, from our computers, you know, then it, it's not going to necessarily going to get shored up and come back to us for drafts and, and you know, the, the traditional editing process. So, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty used to, you know, really having to go through my own stuff and, and do that process myself. I'm always of the mind that I want to send something to an editor that they don't have to change. Like, I, if you're of the mind where it's like, well, this might not work, this part might not work, but I guess we'll see what the editor says, I don't think that's right. I think you should have it shored up. I think you should have it in your head. Like, this is the final version. And if they supply edits, you know, you're always open to them. The worst person to ever work with is someone who's like... These edits are wrong. I, I I'm right. Like I don't want to change anything. But I, I always go in with the mindset that this is done because I have read through it, you know, dozens of times, and I've made sure that it is as clean 
as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I'm used to doing the copy and everything, like, um, you know, cleaning it all up like that. And I uh, feel like I have an okay command of it. So since this is kind of a thing that I was kind of in the habit of doing already, like, uh, you know, and, I, and this is part of why I'm so slow on, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a notoriously slow writer. It's, you know, it's from doubling over my own stuff over and over and over again, like, you know. So it's like I'm doing the same process that I would be doing, you know, writing for, for a ton of other sites. And now I can, you know, with the Patreon, I can do it my own way. I can, you know, really get out there and weird and experimental and stupid the way that I want to do it. And um, not necessarily have anyone over my shoulder and, and kind of being like, oh, are you sure you really want to say that? You know, it's, do you really think the game is that bad kind of thing? Like, and, Of course, uh, you, you know, it is absolutely that bad, yes. Generally speaking, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So, yeah, so it was something I've been looking at for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of big success stories with it. Um, uh, I know, uh, you know, Kara Ellison had a, a very successful Patreon for, um, uh, for her travelogue stories and, um, uh, Carolyn Pettit, you know, Austin Walker. These are all people that have been on there and done and, and done, done well. Um, so, you know, I, I think the best indication that I could find for it was, you know, what is your Twitter following? Uh, because those are the people that are tuning in for you. They're the ones that kind of, you know, they want to hear what you have to say. And they're, that's probably the best gauge of what kind of numbers you can command on a Patreon. Um, and I, I went in thinking like, you know, and I mean, we're, we're not talking about a whole lot of money here because that's, you know, this is games criticism and, you know, you're going to be making between, you know, at the best, you're going to be making maybe 200 something, you know, per piece. Uh, so I wanted to, it was a thing where I, I, I didn't want to do it unless I was going to be getting something around those kind of numbers where like these are pieces that I could write for a, a major site and get the, that kind of money, but I, now I can do it for my own audience. Um, so I, I was thinking I would probably get about $100 uh, per review and uh, it, it came in higher than that, which was really exciting for me. So, you know, $150 per review, you know, we're talking about, uh, that's a rate that I think a lot of sites will, will offer you for a piece. And I can do it for myself, for my own audience, the way that I want to do it, uh, which has been really rewarding so far. The Twitter following thing is strange because it's absolutely true. Where if someone's like, I'm going to set up my own, you know, personal and like, okay, really quick. Is it Patreon or Patreon? Cause I've heard both so often. Is I, I guess it would be, it should be Patreon, right? I like, would think make it, like, like a, a patron? patron. That's what I always. Th- I've always thought it was Patreon, and they just spelled it real fucking weird. And I'm like, that's a weird way to spell Patreon. Patreon. I'll say Patreon. So when like a lot of people will kind of every once in a while, someone will come to me and be like, hey, should I? Do you think I should set one of these up? And you look at their Twitter following, <laughs> and you're like, unfortunately, that's a huge like that. That's a gauge for that. Like if you have 500 Twitter followers, like you probably shouldn't set one up. You're going to get like 20 bucks. Yeah, twenty bucks per thing. You know, that's probably about the rate. You know, I, that was the thing. I didn't want to start it up and then get like six dollars per review. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing where, like, I mean, so personally, I've never considered it. Uh, it's because I, I, I think not that I'd worry I'd get six dollars, but I know I would probably get like fifty, and that's totally fine. I'm not like being like, why won't you pay me for my writing, you assholes? But yeah, it's it, it's a weird thing where you need almost your hashtag brand built up to a point where you can really get the money to make it worth it. And that's kind of something I want to talk about because for you, it, it's, it's secondary income. You have, you know, you have a job and this yeah. is just kind of a, I would, you know, you, you at least want some sort of compensation for the writing that you're doing. And this is a good way to do that. And then there's people like Jim Sterling, kind of funny. And the people you mentioned where this is, this is their living. Uh, this is what they, you know, they're getting thousands of dollars a month to do what they do. So do you think, do you think this kind of funding, this sort of, you know, 
people follow someone and they can give money to them to do their work. Do you think it works in this different way where it's kind of scaled right now, where the people who are really big, like Jim Sterling, again, can use this as their primary income, while people like you or me maybe could get on here and just have it as, well, instead of a you know an IGN, a GameSpot, or a Game Informer paying us two, $300 per each piece, the people who care about our writing and want to read it can directly give it to us. Do you think this scaled method, this different tiers, kind of works out for what this is right now? I mean, for, for me so far, it's worked. Um, I think it's a strange situation because in, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm kind of uh, the problem, <laughs> I, I think, with games criticism. Um, I'm a, a, a white guy who, who is, is funded by other means. You know, I have another job. Uh, and uh, I can afford to do this for for rates that I mean I, that I think they're, they're not fair really. Uh, but uh, you know I mean you can't really you, if someone is trying to make a you know a uh, a job out of out of doing freelance game criticism, they're not going to be able to live on a uh, hundred and fifty dollars per piece, you know three hundred dollars per piece. They, you know they're, they're they're criminal rates really. Oh totally. Um, and and. That I have another job that I can use to to afford to do this at my leisure, and you know, let it be a a thing where I don't necessarily have to worry about the nitty gritty of like, you know, can I can I afford this? Will this pay for groceries? Will this pay for my rent? Kind of thing. You know, it it, it works for me, but only because of that. And I don't know that it's the, necessarily the case for everybody else. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's going to be they're they're priced out of games criticism in this weird way. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's encouraging for me for, to see, like, a, you know, Jim Sterling to be able to command those kind of those amounts uh, on Patreon, uh, Patreon, Patreon. Either one um, at this point, I don't... <laughs> because you know, I mean, it, it's encouraging because I think it at least it, it establishes a benchmark, you know, uh, and gives it a little bit of a celebrity to it, like a kind of, you know, it's it's a sort of a, a prestige kind of thing, you know. Uh, so it's always nice to see them kind of bring in that kind of money. It was nice to see the kind of funny guys be able to split off and do their own thing and uh, and and do well, uh, really well. But there is, I think deep down for me, there's a little bit, not a frustration, but there's this, I wish it wasn't. There's a lot of people who I know are really good writers who, like you said, it's they cannot live on uh, the wage of writing about games, about criticizing games and reviewing games. That's You can't live off that unless you are just not sleeping like you have to just be only doing reviews and playing games maybe only playing yeah, like two hour indie games it, you have to be so prolific that i think it, it, it's it's almost impossible it's impossible to be that prolific and and do good work yeah you know? and i guess for me it's like i wish there was a way for them to be able to do that to work you know the correct number of hours a week and get enough money without having like us without you know, this is our secondary income so there's this certain we're able to do this. When I was uh, reviewing games for GameSpot all the time, all these people were like, oh, how do I get to do what you're doing? I really want to do this for a living. I'm like, well, first off, you're not going to want to do this for a living. Like, what I'm doing, I would never suggest someone to go, like, if someone's like, I'm going to do full-time freelance, I'm like, all right, well, don't do reviews because that's going to be a waste of your goddamn time. Like, it's, Mm -mm. if you are, if someone gives you a JRPG, God bless you. If someone gives you a 50-hour thing, it's like, okay, it's 50 hours of playing the game. And then you're going to write for however long. Everyone has a different you know, amount of time, number of hours. They do that. And then you're going through the editing process. You might get it back and then have to change a lot of different things. You know, you're looking at, let's say for an RGRPG, like 50 to 60 hours of work overall, and you're going to get $200. Uh, that is not enough money. 
That is way less than minimum wage. Yeah, uh, you need tips to, to supplement it. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the problem. So like when someone's like, level. I, I really want to you know do this, I'm like, okay, that's a 60 hours is a long week of work, and you just got $200 from it. Ta-da. Like it's, yeah. it's, I guess for me, I wish there was a way right now where someone who doesn't already have this established following can get the money to do that. Because I do feel like there's a lot of good critics out there that people might not uh, know about that that well right now who I wish could get this but it's I mean it's still a work in progress it's at least cool like you said there's these benchmarks being established there is this way out there that uh the kind of funny guys can be like all right we don't want to be at IG anymore we now have this this name for ourselves we now have this following of people who really like us and I would you know let's go do our own thing let's give them exactly what they want and if they want even more of it they can you know help contribute to that and make this something big and it's it's crazy how big they've gotten it's crazy that you know, Jim Sterling is out there doing his own thing, doing saying what he wants, and that's when I think not having an editor is good. They don't, they can do the things they want and not be forced to go write news for four hours today and go write, you know, take a press release and change that into something. Uh, do I mean, do you miss it at all a little bit of having an editor? Is there a man? I I wish I had that that feedback because even <laughs> when I was before Gamespot, when I was uh, writing for these smaller sites and not getting paid. Uh, me and my roommate, uh, my roommate's a very good writer. He's a fantastic editor. And it was, there was something comforting about taking a 2000 word piece and being like, Hey, can you make sure I'm not rambling? Can you make sure I, I, I make the point I think I'm making? Cause one set of eyes is often not enough for something like that. So is there kind of this, is, is it leaving like it's some trepidation before you post something? Cause you're like, I wonder if this is good. Cause no one's told me if it's good yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an incredible amount of it too. Uh, and you, know, you, you second guess yourself and you, you know, third and fourth and fifth times. Um, I, I guess I could say by the time we're, we're posting this now that I, I am working with an editor, at least for, for other projects, I'm going to be doing some stuff at giant bomb. Um, and it's been so incredibly refreshing to like work <laughs> with an editor again and have that process where they can come back to you and say like, you can't say this, <laughs> this, is, not, this is not okay. And, and, and have that safety net behind you, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's the way that this should be done. I think ideally. Um, so it, it's been, it's been really nice to be able to do that too. And it, 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 you know, even having that on the side, as I continue to do the reviews in my own space for my own audience, it's nice just to be able to bounce ideas off people. Uh, and, kind of it, it you know gives you an idea of where your headspace is like you know am i am i thinking about games like in a logical clear way am i articulating it in the right way you know and um you know just to have that second person that you can bounce it off of it's yeah been, it's been great yeah and like i there's always that like for me when i would there's some reviews like i said when i send a review off i feel like this this shit is done like i have put a lot i know this is cleaned up and there's always that like when you get the edits back it's like we need to change this entire section you get that like kind of a gut punch of man i really thought i i nailed this but like you said there's also that refreshing i like to know my editor cares i like to know my editor cares enough to be like this thing isn't work i read this enough like i put enough time into this i read through all of this this part doesn't match this this doesn't really flow here i have always appreciated and you know kevin van orn was always someone who was fantastic at this for me where it's you know if i start to lose my train of thought or if i go in this weird direction like that Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And yeah, like you said, when you're working with Giant Bomb right now, even if it means more work technically because someone's saying this part doesn't work, rework this, rework this, it is also a good sign of an editor who 
He's willing to put in the time, which again, you don't often see that in this industry, but willing to put in the time to really make sure that whatever you're putting out there is a good representation of the site, good representation of you, and a complete thought that is worth putting out to these hundreds of thousands of people that might read your piece. Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, with a good editor, you you see the work in the drafts. Every single one comes back a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And just that process of going back and forth is really rewarding. Yeah, and you learn a lot from having an... And I've always been someone who i want to see those tracking changes i want to be in that google doc to see why you did something not because i'm incredulous that you're like i think you did this wrong but i want to get to the point that i can almost do that myself which you know not always there's always the, you you need an editor i strongly believe that that's one of the biggest pieces of advice i always give on here is find someone who is nice enough to give you their time to let you know if what you're writing is shit or what you're writing needs work you know or if, if you whatever you wrote was really good uh, but I also want to get to the point where I can self-edit and I've done this many times right now. It's probably posted at this point. It's hard with this time difference, uh, but I'm writing a, another profile for a tan gentleman and I'm at the point where like I, you know, kind of puke out 1500 words is probably the best way to put it. Uh, <laughs> and then add 200, whittle off 400, like go back and forth and see these things where I'm like, okay, I know my editors in the past have pointed out that I do this wrong or that not wrong, but this doesn't work for me or that I do this too often. And I'm able to kind of see that in my own writing and edit it off and do it myself. So it's for my job right now with Tan Gentleman, you know, they, all the guys over at the studio, they look at my stuff and be like, you know, less of this, more of this, or try this direction or you're the worst. Sure. We hate you and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy getting to the point where I feel comfortable enough in my writing that i can send it off and be like that's that's really good and if you give me edits back it might be because you were looking for something different but it's not because i suck that's the important <laughs> distinction between that <laughs> nothing to do with me sucking at writing uh and and part of the reason that i i started the uh uh tutorial mission uh, which is a service that i run on my website where uh we do i do pro bono edits uh, for for budding writers, you know, people that are coming up in the industry, and and you know, usually working for little, you know, amateur sites where they're they're cranking out previews and reviews and stuff like that for maybe five dollars a pop or something like that, and uh, you know, ideal in an ideal situation, they'd be doing it in exchange for mentorship. You know, uh, this would be kind of like an apprentice thing, and and they'd be they'd be working and and honing their craft, but in in I think the the majority of cases, it's really kind of more like a content farm. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to have, I wanted people to have that experience where they have the editor who comes back to them with the drafts and then you, and gives you detailed corrections where they say like, okay, I see you were trying to use the passive voice here, but I think it doesn't work because the subject means this and the object is trying to do this. And, you know, we can better employ it here and talk about why that works uh, and, and give them that experience, you know, where they, they 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 get the corrections they get you know they the the draft improves but they also figure out how to work on their craft we need more of that that's something that uh i when i came up that's it's 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 what i had i was fortunate enough to work at these sites that you know i wasn't getting paid or i was getting paid a very small amount um but it was it was that mentorship that was absolutely invaluable it was understanding how to write how to write certain pieces and it's it's something that it's it can be very difficult to just tell someone hey go get better like <laughs> go find an outlet to get better and you can say go keep writing in your personal blog but if you are struggling as a writer and you are reinforcing bad habits then is writing on your own personal blog really a help or is it more of a, a detriment to you 
Uh, and that's something that I, I think is important for us to talk about is building these these platforms for development, these 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 ways to in, improve individuals in games journalism and games writing. I know there's a games journalism award. You, said, you mentioned tutorial mission. There there are sources. I mean, there are things out there. But I mean, how do we how do we make this better? Because I I value writing. <laughs> I love reading good games <laughs> writing. Shockingly, uh, people haven't figured that out at this point. I, I I enjoy again when we had that group at GameSpot of these freelancers who I really enjoyed reading the new reviews that came out there, and I'm not shitting on them now or anything like that. But like there was this this sense. There was a, yeah, there was a period where we had it was a, it was a really good group. I think when we had um, Carolyn Pettit was there. Um, you know, we were, we had Austin Walker there for yeah <laughs> for a couple amazing. months. So it was a it was a good crew. Yeah, like there's um, a Justin Clark, there's a just all these different yeah. people who I cared what they thought about the game, and it felt it was just kind of exciting to be a part of that. Where every time someone tweeted something out, I'm like, I legitimately want to read this. And I'll tell you what, not very often do I want to read reviews from major sites. Uh, they read a certain way where it does not interest me. But I, it was a cool thing to see. We had that group there, and I felt like we we're kind of making each other better uh, because we were all putting so much into it. So I mean, for you, like what? How do we start encouraging these development platforms, these different sites more? Like, what can we do to really make these, prepare these people to write at major sites and write better reviews and better just criticism and other content overall? I mean, I think we need like a holistic approach to it, Um, you know, because I I can say, oh, we need more mentorship. But uh, for us to have mentorship, we have to have mentors. And for us to have mentors, we have to have people that are able to sustain in the industry you know, without leaving for PR because they can't afford to, you know, support a family on the rates yeah. that, that get paid here. And if we're, how do we improve the rates? Well, you know, we can talk about unionization and things like that. And, um, um, you know, I try to just, you know, kind of lash out in all areas. Um, I, I obviously, I'm a Twitter curmudgeon. I criticize a lot when this I, this is your I, new Twitter description. I think we, f- we found something here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm like the, I think the ombudsman that nobody really wants. You know? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, That's your Twitter description. All right, keep going. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, trying to just encourage a an environment where everyone is thinking really hard about, um, you know, uh, uh, God, it, and it's so bad that like it sounds weird to say ethics, you know, journalistic ethics, but uh, to think about journalistic ethics, uh, to think about professional practice, um, you know, how how they can. Uh, act uh, responsibly when they're covering subjects and things like that. So you try to encourage that. You try to build up that culture. You try to uh, create um, structured educational pathways for development for new game journalists. So, you know, yeah, I mean, for me, tutorial mission, uh, I know Brian Crescente, uh, he does a mentorship thing where he, he brings people on. You know, I mean, they're they're kind of ad hoc right now. Um, but as we get more, you know, I, I think more people that are passionate about it and feel that they can, they have the time and they can, uh, devote themselves to, you know, going out to schools and, and doing, uh, critiques and reviews and things and talking about their jobs and stuff like that. I think that all of that helps that education. Uh, I, we, yeah, with the, uh, you know, I'm a member of the New York video game critics circle. Uh, we do a lot of that kind of outreach work too. I know a lot of people are going to, uh, do uh, dream yard, uh, going out, talking to people about being a games journalist, uh, kids and students and things like that, you know, putting ourselves out there, going to the colleges to NYU and 
you know, seeing people that are, you know, kids that are students that are developing games and stuff like that and, and talking about it and creating this kind of, you know, professional culture that you should have that, you know, that I have as an architect, um, you know, coming up in the design studio world. Yeah. So, you know, just about building these, like, you know, in, in every direction, kind of creating that kind of structure where this isn't a thing that people just necessarily do as a free, as a hobby, you know, in their spare time, it becomes a, a career and a professional job, you know, with a capital P. And when you mention you call yourself this ombudsman that no one wants as a joke, like I, you, <laughs> you, you, you call some people out on Twitter and not in like a, you know, I'm going to fight you kind of way. But when you see well, things, well, let's not that... you know, let's not close that door. I mean, <laughs> only Twitter I could, fights. I, yeah. I feel like I could take Patrick Klebic. You you could probably <laughs> choke him out. Like if you really had to, you can like armbar him. But like, it, it... oh, he would, no, he would kill me. <laughs> but like, if he's a scrapper, it's. I think it makes people feel uncomfortable only because we kind of we fostered this very everyone pats everyone else on the back kind of uh ecosystem in games writing where it's very you know there's not a lot there's not that many games journalism beefs and i'm not calling for a whole bunch of people to get angry at each other but i kind of feel like everyone is just happily saying everything is great all this like games are great all these games are fantastic i love video games and i love all the work you do on it and there's not a lot of people questioning like should this have been written or could this part have been better and you do you do that like and i think that is important and i think it's important to do that in general like if we see something out there and i would of course there's gonna be that initial gut reaction if someone takes one of my reviews uh and says like this part is like this does not work this is bad this is like you should consider you know this doesn't work with rest of this i'm gonna get initially get like sort of combative with that but that also makes me better if he's, if this person's right, then they're right. And I think it's important to keep everyone honest, uh, keep everyone making sure that they're doing the right kind of work. I mean, do you see a value in us? You know, let's say if someone at a major site posts a review and you're like, hey, like, what about this and this? Like, do you, do you see a value in that sort of that thing that you're doing? Yeah, recognizing that I'm, I'm sure I can be a huge pain in the ass. Um, I, I think it's good to have a, uh, a professional dialogue and we have such a great natural space for it on Twitter where we can, we can have journalists talking to other journalists and, and doing the thing that everyone, you know, complains about. Hey, it's like, Oh, it's journalists talking about journalism, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But we, you know, we have such a great space for it where we, we can, we can talk about stuff. You know, if someone puts something out there, it's, it's up there for public comment. We can, we can, you know, bounce our ideas off it and, and, and have a dialogue, a conversation about it. And I think for a long time in, in the game crit space, you didn't really have that. Um, I think everyone kind of keeps to themselves very much. And there's, there's this reticence to even talk about other outlets as if they're a thing, you know, like, because you're, I think it was almost a fear of like, uh, oh, you know, people find out they exist and then they'll leave us because we're all doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially too for freelancers, because freelancers didn't want to say anything poor about other outlets, other writers, because then that maybe that avenue closes. Maybe they can't write for that site anymore if I say this. I these last few IGN reviews suck, and then they're like, "Well, you're not going to write for IGN now." <laughs> and maybe, hopefully, I am an okay example of this because I mean, I should have burned enough bridges, I think, by now. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing good. Um, I, I, I think I'm able to command a. a a certain level of respect in the industry and I can, I can speak honestly. Um, so I want other people to feel like they can do that too. Um, you know, well, you know, obviously not, um, 
you know, just attacking everyone, you know, like, uh, for, for no reason, but like, you know, holding up a, a certain professional standard and being able to speak to issues when you see them and things like that and not fear that, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blacklisted at that site. I'm not going to be able to write there anymore. Um, you know, maybe it, it's a case where it's gotten so bad, you know, that I think a lot of people are like, well, why hold my tongue about stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, I, the, for in my case, at least, like, am I really going to be um, kind of censoring myself uh, for what we're talking about? You know, like the the rate of maybe two fifty an hour kind of thing. Like, you know, is that really a thing that I'm going to let limit my ability to talk, you know, honestly to my audience and mm -hmm. and speak about the problems that I see in the industry? Like, yeah, obviously not. Uh, there was definitely. I mean, when I was freelancing, I remember there's a little bit of concern even on this podcast being like, should I bring up any rates or should I like name sites exactly and I I think it's 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 as long as like you know unless you sign some contract this this thing that says like you cannot talk about this I think it's important to bring this stuff up I think it's a lot of oh yeah there there was the um someone had sent around a a spreadsheet um uh, oh yeah what, you know, what, who pays writers I think is what it was called um might have been David Walensky I think the uh, no don't die interviews mm -hmm. uh really good if you if you get a chance to check them out but um. They, and you go around, you look at the rates that a place are, you know, paying for, for writers. A lot of them are, you know, for the audience they command, you know, um, they should be able to pay more. Uh, we should be able to talk about that honestly. Um, you know, not be embarrassed about it. Like, um, I, you know, I've always tried to speak openly about my rates and, and what the issues with my rates are because the, you know, these things should be better. Uh, we should be able to talk about writers are able to command. And that way, when new writers are coming up, they know what they should expect you know, for, for putting out their work, you know, they should expect editing, they should expect uh, mentorship and they should expect, you know, fair rates. So we need to arm them with the ability to, you know, they, they should be able to expect these things and ask for them uh, and not have it be this closeted thing that we don't talk about. Yeah. And I, I do think it's important for people like us to not speak out against this, but, you know, bring it to light. I think being Especially if, if people want to get into this. If there are people out there who ask me, like, hey, what should I do? It's like, let me be as open and honest about what this is like. Because I didn't know when I was getting into it. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Like, it was just kind of like, let's see what works. And you're just happy to get any payment for your writing. Because at that point, if you had started really young like I did, you didn't get paid before. Um, and I think both of us are in this situation right now where, I mean, we're even more encouraged and able to talk openly and honestly. Because, you know, you are being funded by people who like your writing and I am not working in, you know, games writing in that sense anymore. <laughs> so we're out of it. We can talk mad shit. We're not going to talk mad shit, but like we're able to do that. And there is a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's start just like. <laughs> <laughs> start calling people out. Start calling out. <laughs> oh, that would be that we're speaking of calling people out. So uh, something, when we talk about keeping people honest and, uh, you know, making sure every that we're being open about everything. We, we talk about mission statements, you know, these statements of intent. You look at something like Polygon's press reset, where it's, you know, this, this new version of games writing. And then same thing with like Penny Arcade's, you know, games journalism is broken, which inherently I don't think is a, a bad premise, even if it didn't exactly come through. I, I mean, how important is it to follow through on these things that they initially say these, 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 this is that we're going to change things. We're going to, we're going to press reset and start all over again. I mean, it's it's hard to always keep someone to exactly that because they got to make money some, some traditional ways. But I mean, how important do you think is it for sites like that to completely follow through on their initial initial uh, mission statement? I mean, to, to, to follow through, obviously, I mean, it's huge. This was something that I got kind of in a little bit of hot water 
on, on Twitter about because uh, I was saying I kind of missed those days when like like you know we I mean there's been a, a, a we've had a bunch of sites that have popped up uh, recently like you know even as we've had some closures and stuff in the in the games journalism scene we've had a, a bunch of new sites you know there's there's Zam uh, is now doing a lot of writing uh, and uh, so you know a lot of sites are coming up um, and I th- I feel like it's really important to have to, to, to put yourself out there to, to stake a claim in something like that because, um, you know, we, we have a lot of people that are doing stuff the same in the industry. You know, they're doing that, you know, previews, news, reviews, you know, 10 star, you know, 10, 10 point system, you know, uh, kind of template. And, um, you know, even just for a, a personal thing, like, how are you going to get unique? You know, how are you going to get people to stick with you? What are you going to do different from everybody else? You know, you have to, establish that you know that's i mean i think the thing that uh games journalism prizes above anything else is uh originality you know uniqueness of approach uh i mean we have a there's a youtube series where people review games while eating chili peppers right hot pepper gaming is really good (laughs) hot pepper (laughs) you know what i mean if you're listening hot pepper gaming i'm all in fly me over i will review a game and eat a pepper (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, so so originality of approach, you know, I mean, that's the, it's it's a big thing, you know, for this. So when you come out and yeah, if you're gonna start a new site, you have to, I think, you have to really interrogate for yourself before you do it. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna stake our claim on? What's gonna be our thing? You know, are we gonna, um, you know, do uh, really really out there literary reviews? Are we going to? spray ourselves in the face with mace before we do a review you know we or, should cut this part out of the podcast so we could start doing that i don't want to give other people ideas i think you just had a million dollar idea right there <laughs> that'd be a stark transition for my career <laughs> what it, it's kind of the next logical evolution let's be honest this is these are the people that are replacing us as game critics <laughs> yeah. yeah we're gonna be working for them i think oh no <laughs> I like, I, you know, as I, that's what I said. Like, uh, I'm going to be working in uh, the the PewDiePie sub basement at oh, some point. God. Like, some forgotten reviews archive. Like, oh yeah, video game reviews. People used to do that back before. The- <laughs> See, but back, everyone's going to look fondly on like, oh, those classic hot pepper gaming reviews back when journalism was real. <laughs> those are going to be the ones that stick out. They're going to forget our shit. <laughs> I'm tired of these sellouts who aren't willing to eat a hot pepper before. <laughs> Only ghost peppers. Only ghost peppers. Yeah. Do you have the balls? I don't think so. Now, who's going to be willing to talk about the watering down of the peppers? They used to be cayenne, and now it's just these little... Oh, God. The pepper ombudsman. Yeah, it's going to be a real <laughs> interesting future. I go back and forth on... You look at something like Sam, and I don't really know the direction it's going to take yet. I read some of it. But as of right now, I don't really feel like it has its own unique hook which i don't know if everything needs the own its own unique hook but they brought in um who is it uh, rather, uh critical intel mm-hmm. uh really good column you know so that's that's the kind of thing you want to see like you know i, I want to see people i want to see them amplify voices you know get some personalities out there establish you know like th- this is what our our our, our who, these are who our voices are going to be this is what our, our message is going to be it's going to come from these people these are going to be our you know our um, uh, our mouthpieces, you yeah. know, for what our 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 um, ideals are, you know, what are, what are we going to kind of, um, what what messages are we going to push, 
you know, that kind of thing. There's a risk to being different that I think, you know, we can say all we want, like this should change, that should change. You should make sure you're being different and trying something new. Uh, and I think a lot of people rightfully say back like, all right, you're giving all of these complaints and all of these, like this critiques, but like, where's the solution to this? Uh, cause it is, it's risky to break the mold, but at the same time, I don't really know if you can start a big site right now being like, all right, well, Monday, we're going to have our top 10 list. Uh, Tuesday is Game of Thrones Day. We need to make sure we do that. Uh, Wednesday, sure, yeah. we're going to you know, make sure we do. Here's our review. Like it's to build a here's, site. Here's Kanye watch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. There's another website right there. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> it's there's definitely it's cause, I mean, games writing is weird right now where you're there are sites coming up, but there are also a lot of sites closing and the, even the major sites are very highly covering you know the next avengers movie and the next big netflix show and daredevil and stuff like that where i i don't think we totally know what what's going to work it's hard to yeah it's hard to take a risk i think the people in charge don't know either uh which i think is why you see so many places prizing um uh, flexibility, you know, de- you know, dexterity, agility. With um, uh, I just said those like they were like RPG stats. That's weird. <laughs> um, you know, ag- agility with uh, with their their writers, really. You know, where if you're a writer, it's not really good enough to be a writer. You have to also do video. You have to dabble. You have to do podcasts, that kind of thing. Uh, it's because I think they want they want that agility. They want be- to be able to transition if they find out that there's a new trend or if something else works. Um, you know, everyone's trying to get on that. Um, and you know, I, I, I think there's a problem with that because if you don't let writers just be writers or, or podcasters just be podcasters or video people just be video people, then, uh, you're, you're kind of not letting them really like figure out where they, you know, really stake a claim in something and really, uh, kind of take ownership of that as a profession and do it really well. And so you end up getting a lot of same-ish kind of, you know, this sort of thing, uh, preview cycle, review cycle, and, uh, you know, the the stuff that we you can find at any given site. It's hard to figure out what you're really good at if you just do a little bit of everything. It's If you do the, like, inch-deep, mile-wide kind of idea of... Like exactly, you said, yeah. where it's like, okay, well, I, uh, I I do podcasts for the site. I do video content for them. Every once in a while, I write a review or write a preview or write some news. Like the, 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 you know, jack of all trades approach is something that, unfortunately, I mean, if someone asked me if, you know, how do I get a full-time job in the industry, that might be what I recommend is make sure you know a little bit of everything. Make sure you can, you know, talk in front of a camera. Make sure you can talk on a mic. Make sure you know how to write. But in the process, yeah. uh, a lot of the people major sites who do a little bit of everything you read their writing and it's not at the level that i want to read <laughs> like it's it's i don't like to read their writing if they are like okay they're pretty good on camera they're good at podcasts but they're not great yeah. at any one one single thing and i i think you know especially for me because I, I i really am a just a writer um you know with a capital w uh, I, I i've been trying so hard to get avoid getting into video or anything like that because it's really it's not where my interest is and i think you 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 can see that in for me, for in the writing, you know, when somebody who is, is really a video personality is going to come out there and they're going to do a review or something like that. I think, I think you can sense, I think the audience can sense that the, the heart isn't quite in it, you know, because it's, it's, it's time that they're, that they're taking away from doing it the way that they want to do it. Uh, you know, the, the way that they want to present games, the way, the way they want to analyze games, the, the way they're comfortable talking about it. It reads like someone who has read a lot of games writing and makes their like, okay, I think this is what this sounds like. 
like I think this is what a review looks like. And like you said, like that's that's not their own unique voice. That isn't their you know they haven't spent time looking back and be like you know really critical about a game and how they look at games. They kind of it almost reads too like someone who has read other reviews of the same game. Like I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and here we go. This is a yeah. quote unquote video game review. Yeah, it's it's it's. I know what video game reviews are supposed to look like. Yeah. So I can put something out there that looks like a video game review. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the idea of taking risk and you know mission statements and everything like that. I mean, you look at something like when I talked to Patrick Klepek and we were going over post relief the the post release coverage that Kotaku does. I really like that idea mm-hmm. because so often with this industry and like other entertainment industries too, uh, we have this big lead up to a game. We're we're talking about. Um, just for an example, not that Ratchet and Clank was a huge release, but we talked about Ratchet and Clank before. Here's these previews. Here's these videos for it. We're all excited. Release day happens, and then that thing is just—it's like it never happened. It's just gone. No one's talking about it anymore. Uh, and it, it's even more interesting to use an example of uh, something that's more online focused. Like let's say that Ark game that a lot of people are into. Uh, mm-hmm. There are so many stories after it's released. There are so many people doing insane things. There are so many interesting facts about a game i mean destiny is another great example where i don't like destiny but the story of what happened after destiny released is really interesting and there's a lot of cool stories and cool features and cool ideas you can pull from that and that's working for them and i'm extremely happy it is because my first thought was i don't know if people are going to read that because people are going to want to move on to the next thing it's just it's this culture where you know the next big game release is what's interesting uh, so in, in that case, they took a chance, and I'm happy it works out. Uh, and I want to see more of that, but it's again, it's so hard to know what's going to land, what's worth investing that time into. When game again, when Gamespot was very into that diverse criticism that we were doing, and I was writing like opinion pieces for them, like that was a really cool Gamespot period for me, and that was really great. Uh, and now they're not doing that as much, and I wonder is like, was that because it wasn't working? Like was that because that sort of stuff doesn't hit? And uh, if, if we want to talk about like the the press reset thing uh, with Polygon, where they came out with all these really robust features, um, and you know obviously that they they took a different direction after you know some uh, I think corporate shifting and things like that and yeah. different priorities, and the conventional you know response to that is well say there's no audience for that kind of thing, you know this is prestige writing it's 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 not a thing that anyone's gonna actually click through and read from from start to finish um and you know i don't know i'm on on some level i think you also you know that writing has to kind of define your ethos as a site too so it has value for that and you know stuff that doesn't necessarily translate to the clicks of, of, of who's reading you know like everything from top to bottom or something like that but it's been really encouraging to see I, I'm, I'm happy that uh, Kotaku's new direction is panning out pretty well mm-hmm. I, I love the post-release coverage because I, I think you know like you know people always say like oh you know you should do more actual journalism you know investigative journalism is always what they mean you know you should lean up and it's very very hard to do that because of access for yes. for games uh, publishers are very very close uh they only let a trickle of information get out there and it tends to be very very you know by the script what they want to be told about their game um which is why you have so many issues with previews and, and i'm not really taking a critical stance on things because of how tightly controlled that message is and, and what critics are allowed to respond to um so but when you get to that release when when players you know get their hands on a game when they get to like you know throw it around and, and mix it up like there's this burst of creative energy uh and 
oftentimes it takes a game in a direction that isn't, you know, following that script of what the developer wants. Or uh, that's when you get these weird branching out narratives and, and things that a journalist can actually delve into and, and pick apart and, and create stories out of, um, which I think is a much more natural fit for that kind of journalistic endeavor, you know, than trying to mine something out of like a preview event that you have to go to, to look at a game for a half hour. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot there, but when, you know, a hundred thousand you know, players are picking apart a game, like they're, they're going to find something interesting there. There's going to be something you can talk about. There's a story you can find. And I, I think we're walking this tightrope where this industry is very fast moving. A lot of stuff is happening. It's sometimes hard to take a step back and be like, what can we change? What can we uproot and do things differently? Because it's, I mean, right now the the ad revenue, it's hard to if you just switch things, it doesn't work, and you have these all these people to pay. That's bad. And when you, when you see a lot of change, so when uh, Jeff Gerstmann was at Gamespot, uh, he talked about this afterward, where he saw the trend, he saw that video was going to be a thing. He he saw a lot of what was happening, but Gamespot kind of stayed how it was for a while. When Jeff Gerstmann had the vision coming down from the mountain, yeah, he got the <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He knew, um, but. He saw... It worked. He, he was built able, the arc. Yeah. He was able to do something like Giant Bomb when he was out of GameSpot, uh, and he was he was able to start his own thing, and he went in that direction right away instead of changing the structure of GameSpot. It's hard to change that structure. And you mentioned previews, and I think previews is yeah. one of those things that uh, sometimes we just we go status quo. We just say like, well, it's it's still working. Why break the mold? Um, but I mean, previews are something that I was recently complaining about. One of the many things I complained about on Twitter, where it was just. I was, you know, reading a preview or watching a preview video and it just so much felt like an extension of the publisher's arm. It felt like another version of their content. And it's not, I always say this stuff and I know that it's, there's not one easy solution. It's not like there's a light switch you can turn on and be like, no, 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 the light's off. Just turn the light on. That's all it takes. It's not that easy because people, I'm happy when people come to me and be like, okay, you're saying this, but how do you change it? And for people who haven't done previews very often, let's say uh, PAX, you know, you when you're playing this game, someone who either made the game or is about to publish the game is right next to you. Very often, just kind of staring and they're pointing things out and they're saying things about, hey, this, if it's a sequel, it's like, this is the different thing. This is that. This is this. Um, and same thing with like reviews. Sometimes you get this review guide uh, that will point out very specific features. Like sometimes they'll tell you, you can't talk about this part and this part, but also it'll be like, here's these new animations. Here's this new system that is really great um, and very often you will see a critic or someone who's doing a preview reference those exact points and I notice it because if I preview the same thing or review the same thing and I look at another review they'll point out something that I saw was in the guide and I don't right. love that because I understand sometimes that's good information to put in there other times it feels like you are continuing a narrative built by, built by someone who wants to sell the video game uh, and then at that point, what service are you really doing for your audience who wants to know your real thoughts? If you are unwilling in a preview to say, like, this part is a concern, this might not work, like, this this part was really rough in the preview. And of course, that's not a finished product. It could absolutely change. But I think it's okay to point that stuff out. I think it's okay to say, hey, this part and this part are really good. This is working for me. But... This part it was, you know, the, the the control in this area wasn't very good. I didn't, the, the the city didn't feel very fleshed out. I hope that's something they fix, but I think it's important to point that stuff out. And I think it's even more important to make sure that you're not going from the review guide and just picking out different facts and figures from a sheet. If in the end that doesn't really have a significant difference on how you feel about the game, we don't want to be 
as press, we don't want to continue a message. We don't want to be another aspect of this hype machine. We're not a hype machine. We are, you know, people who are giving our own opinions about this stuff. We're talking about it in a way that it hit us and not the way that they wanted it to hit us. Testify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, for for a lot of the press, I think it's an education issue where, you know, a lot of times you have a lot of like young people kind of coming in. They, they don't really have that kind of journalistic background that will, um, you know, foster in them, encourage them to be strong to command to to ask the hard questions and not settle for the easy answers and things like that so when uh you get a publisher that kind of presents an easy narrative for them an easy script then you know it's it's easier for them to get um kind of boxed back into that 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 narrative that they want to push and um it comes the the easy answer because they don't really know where to put that you know uh put that line in the sand you know and, and and really force the issue on things um and Obviously, publishers are going to do a thing where they're going to try to condition, you know, they're going to try to overwhelm you. You go to a a thing like E3 or something like that. You're going to you're in a situation that's it's sensory overload. Uh, And it's very, very tough to kind of keep your journalistic faculties when something like that's happening, when there's lights and explosions and gunfire and stuff. all. And a review event might be kind of a similar case of that, too, where you're in the environment they want you to be in. Yeah, you know, um, never, and this is why I think you see a lot of sites that kind of, if they can avoid it, they will, they will avoid those events. They'll say no increasingly, I think too, which is a good thing because it's, it's, it's not a situation where you're giving your, your journalists the best chance to do what they need to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think as we, as we get better about having people that are, are willing to take those opportunities to do something different and, and, uh, you know, like, uh, say Kara Ellison's Hotline Miami 2 piece, like, you know, a great preview and something like that, that stood out that got conversation because she did something different than, you know, the rank and file. You know, um, we will, I think we'll find people that are willing to interrogate games that way and, and, and take a harder look at them and, and really not just take the answers that are given to them easily. Uh, and that's how we can get a better preview. And being different isn't easy. Well, it's easy to be different. If you want to just be different for the sake of being different, but you mentioned before, like that, sometimes the, the people write reviews and previews the easy way, where you kind of you take what you've already heard or what you have that information and you transform it into something that kind of resembles an opinion. And I'll publicly say now, like I've probably done that. I have probably been the person when I earlier on in my career, if you want to take something I wrote from like 2013 or 20, even 2014, and say, hey, you know what, you're judging these people for this, but look what you did, like. I probably did do that. And now I'm the person who's saying like, I've been through that and I don't think it's a good thing. Like I don't sure. definitely don't do that anymore. I don't try, definitely try not to. So it's, it can be really difficult to be different and to take out this point that people are like, man, this is, this is unique. This is interesting. And I like this. Like it's not an easy thing to do. I, and there's definitely some, you will read pieces that read like someone who was trying to be different. Like they really put a lot into, I'm going to make this different. I don't want to be like everyone else. And if it doesn't come to you, if if your opinion on this isn't this, oh my god, this is amazing, I've never heard this before, like, don't force it. Uh, but it's also important to try to look at things in different ways. Try to, uh, again, not just perpetuate a narrative. Try to look at something in a, a, a just a diverse way. It's I love reading that stuff. I mean, that's what initially when I read your reviews, and I'm not going to try to make you all, I'm not going to shower you with praise right now. But your, your, your stuff reads differently. And there were definitely times where I disagreed with what you said, not because I think you were wrong, but because I had a different opinion on the game. But 
that's what made me interested in it and that's what made me say like i this is not like the other stuff and guess what it's fun to read stuff that reads differently but still has these really uh powerful points so yeah it's previews are weird um i i don't want to be the person who like if i read a preview and i don't want to be the person who says like why isn't there anything negative in this because you know it's a really good response to that if someone says like what if they just really liked every part of it like maybe they did but i guess i i know how those preview events go and i can read something and be like ah this reads like someone who took the easy way out and i don't as a co-ombudsman like i don't (laughs) i don't want that i don't like that i want I want good games writing. I want good journalism. Uh, I have a journalism major, and that's like you. I mean, I'm a, I was a capital W writer first. I almost said capital R. I would have had to just completely stop this podcast. <laughs> capital W writer first. Uh, <laughs> 4.0 right here, and I almost just spelled writer wrong. And it's it, that stuff is important to me. That's why I think I yell about this so much. It's because it's important to me. It's it's something that I really enjoy and I want it to get better and I want to challenge myself to get better and I want to challenge everyone else to get better and it's never to go out and just be this annoying curmudgeon like being upset about everything because I also really like to point out stuff when it's good. Uh, I think if, if yeah. someone on Twitter, all they do is just spend time pointing out bad stuff, that's no fun. I don't want to follow you. Like you're just you're just searching, and if you want to search all day for bad stuff, you're gonna find it nonstop. But I also like to highlight stuff that's really good and really interesting, and I like to, you know, point that out because it's it's important to point out the good, just as important as point out the bad. I just think in totally general good. in this industry, we we don't. A lot of people are afraid to point out the bad, or don't even think to point out the bad, and I think someone has to do that. Sure. Or even, I think, properly point out the good, too. Um, you know, I think, uh, and this is a, why the, the Games Journalism Award that we're doing with the New York Video Game Critics Circle was such an important thing for me to get started. Um, you know, uh, you know we, can, we can complain about award shows and stuff all we want, but uh, it, on some level, you have to have something that, that points out to people that's a sign that says this is something that we value. Uh, and there's somebody watching. There's somebody who's appreciating when someone, when a journalist takes the extra effort, when they they put in a year's worth of just of just hard, you know, boots on the ground journalistic work, do that kind of thing. Uh, when when critics take a really hard critical eye on things, they reach for, they try to do stuff that's different. Um, you know, pick at ideas that people don't pick at and stuff like that. You know, I think we have to say that we value that, and we have to you know create professional structures that value that. You know, that that really that that signify it and put it out there for people that say that you know we as journalists have a stake in this too it's extremely encouraging to get that kind of feedback too like getting recognized not because it's just like oh man look at me everyone's talking about me but like i remember even if it's privately when um i wrote a review i think i've mentioned this before in this podcast but uh my nba 2k15 review where kevin had gotten back to me and said like whatever you did here keep doing this because like that was really good you really like you went in everything it was very like detailed it did everything right and that, I didn't go out to the world and say, hey, Twitter, guess what? My editor likes me. Like, here's, I got a gold star <laughs> and I'm going to hang this on my fridge. I'm going to print this email out. Um, but that meant the world to me because I, it's, it's cool to know when you're doing something right. And when I, I went through a stretch before GameSpot where I wasn't really getting that feedback. Uh, I wasn't really getting like, hey, this is good. This is bad. It was just kind of, sure, we'll post it. Uh, yeah. you can get really stuck in this cycle. And I think that's often how, to go back to previews, that's something like that happens where there's not a lot of positive and negative either way. It's just a constant blah. Like it's just happening. You're posting it. You're getting paid, whatever. When that review 
like hit and I got a good response from commenters, which is crazy. And uh, my editor, I wanted to push to continue to be better because that was like, okay, I'm on the right track. Now I know. And it's important sometimes to just know you're doing something good or even if you're doing something bad. Yeah, if your colleagues aren't going to be, you know, giving you that that kind of feedback, then you're naturally going to kind of fall into the impression of feeling that what you do doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, um, you're going to think, okay, this is a content form. I'm just putting stuff out there for it to get clicks. Uh, you know, and maybe you will even just look to to commenters, to to you know, people on Twitter, things like that, just that are responding to your articles for feedback. And the problem with that is that they almost universally don't like when you're negative about stuff. So yes. you're going to kind of fall into that trap of thinking like my job here is to be a hype man. It's to, to be positive, to, to just say, you know, that everything's fun. Video games are supposed to be fun. We're just having fun. And, and you stop, you turn that journalistic, that critical, you know, eye off. And then you're, you're kind of stuck in that grind. Yeah, we're like the triple air horn and fog machine of the industry where we're just hyping out these games before they like hit the ramp or do whatever wrestlers do. Is that yeah. a wrestling thing? Is is do you know about wrestling? You want to talk about wrestling? This could be a wrestling podcast. Seems like a yeah, yeah. No, I no wrestling is we're, we're both MMA people. Wrestling yeah. is a little bit. It's a little weird for Gosh, us. I'm so sick of hearing anything about wrestling. That's that's the worst part about being in this industry. Goddamn wrestling! I look, you get you like, inherit like, a lot of surprising amount of wrestler people, like on especially on Twitter. Wrestling Twitter has a weird Venn diagram. Like, oh cross my god! I got so many wrestling people. I can't, oh but it's people I legitimately like, so I'm like, it's not like I'm going to unfollow them, and look, if, if you like wrestling, you do you, I'm not going to, well, I might judge you, but like, <laughs> it, it's totally fine, but like, oh my god, when a wrestling event happens, I I don't want to bitch about it too much, because you know what the solution is, just don't be on Twitter, but oh my god, everyone who writes about games loves wrestling, how did this happen, <laughs> what happened, I don't get it. Like it's, we, have to, we have to find the MMA games Twitter. There has it's to be, it's be somewhere, there. it's like me and you. It's, yeah, like Narnia. We gotta like go through a washing machine or something like that and find it on the other side. Like it's gotta be in there, right? Like it has to be somewhere. Like I, God, it's a, like WrestleMania. Like I went into some weird like coma where like there was so much of it, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. There was a point where I almost considered like, should I watch wrestling? And they almost had, me. and then I had to like take a quick cold shower and just get out of it. I was like, oof, man, it was it's a weird wrestling trance. It's fucking it's weird. A, it's a bl- it's like the wild hunt, you know, like the wrestling Twitter just comes in like, oh, shit. No, everyone escaped. Yeah, you're running away. It's... Everyone run for the barn. How did it happen? All right. So uh, I think we've, we've done a good job rambling here so far. Uh, I, I have a feeling we'll be doing another one of these podcasts in the not too distant future. There's always just like so much that happens that I think is interesting to talk about. And again, if you. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the cousin Sal of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do bad impressions of you. Oh man, you should, we should do every Monday. I just mean every single week. I don't know if that's going to work out. We might eventually run out of things to talk about. We can start taking bets on wrestling, though. We'll, we'll add some different. <laughs> Go over the lines, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and again, if if someone listens to this and pulls out some of my old writing and says, "Hey, this goes against everything you said," I will totally have a conversation with you because you might find I've written a lot of stuff. You might find something that totally against, goes against what I said. But again, I. I think it's important to try to make every all of this better. I want all of this to be better. I am not yelling because I want it to be bad and I hate video games. I really like video games, but I I like journalism really? even more. And um, we hate wrestling even more. Hate re- oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, that if you get one thing on this three things on this podcast, it's uh I like video games. Writers starts with a W and uh wrestling is awful. 
So that's the three things I want out of this. The rest of the stuff, take it or leave it. You can throw that stuff away. Uh, Nick, what are you what are you doing? Like, what's what's your next Patreon, Patreon, patron uh, piece? That you're doing? Well, I'm um, actually. I don't. It may have happened by the time this goes up. I'm not sure yet. I'm working on transitioning away from the Patreon and onto just doing subscriptions in sight. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go just you know straight up. I don't know Andrew Sullivan the Dish kind of thing and you just do my own thing. All of your current subscriptions they have to resubscribe oh they're gonna have to resubscribe probably. but uh i'm gonna do we're gonna try to have like a little smooth transition where uh patreon subscribers will be able to continue doing the same thing and access the reviews the same way on the site uh but i will be unfolding a subscription option on there so i can just take payments on the site uh two dollars a month access to the reviews should be nice and convenient and easy just trying to you know really beef up my own my own site, basically, you know, like I, I try not to think about it as an outlet thing, but it's it's where you can find my stuff, and it's I'm really working on shoring it up, so it's been it's been good. Um, you can also find me on Giant Bomb. I'll be doing a little bit of writing there, um, generally focused around language in the way we talk about the game scene and and stuff. Um, but uh, you know, really, it's going to be, I think, the pretty wide. Uh, scope of, of of stuff that I feel you know like I can get a good feature out of. So look, really looking forward to doing writing there and 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 talking to that audience too because it's a, they got a really good crowd there. Yeah, so it's, it's good interaction there. And that was also one of those when Austin started opening that up for freelancers. I'm like, I will put money down. <laughs> that yeah, Nick will been... be on this site at some point. It's been it's been amazing <laughs> to watch because like uh, just like Ian Williams and like these different people who I really really respect are on there. And I'm like, this is exactly and i hope it like the kotaku thing i hope this works because it's exactly what i've been calling for it's giving freelancers more of a voice it's giving them a platform that uh the audience is great and they'll really they'll have a dialogue instead of just you know a freelancer writes a review and then no one really knows who that person is i feel like this and you also get to podcast so it's it's a good introduction to that person and not just their writing yeah, it was something I, as soon as they announced it, I really wanted to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, it, it's very uh, rewarding and encouraging to be to be in with that crowd of, of very talented writers and, and, and journalists and podcasters and everything, too. So it's it's been a boom. It's been really great. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, you can look for Nick there on his website, uh, uh, on Twitter at Nick Capazzoli, which is all kinds of letters and Zs and stuff going on. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick thing. So if you've listened this far at this point, if you could go to iTunes and leave like a review and a rating, uh, even if you hate it, that's fine. Well, you know what? Probably don't review if you hate it. No thanks. Like you know, that's kind of rude. But you know, if if you like this podcast and you have supported me, first off, thank you. It's been really great. It's been growing, and I never had any sort of expectations, and it's been doing way better than I ever thought it would. Uh, so I'd really appreciate that. That would be awesome. And you can also find me on Twitter at at my name at Josiah Renaudin. Uh, you might as well, if you're going to follow two people at once, it's just me and Nick, and then you can either hate everything we say or love what we say, but I promise one thing, neither of us will talk about wrestling. That's not a guarantee. <laughs> uh, so, thanks again, Nick. Once again, you'll probably be on at some point when something crazy, if, if some breaking crazy games journalism stuff happens, I will put out the, the Nick Capazzoli signal. And yeah, yeah, throw it up. Yes. Yeah, the spotlight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.